So we are, as many of you will know, we're in um, a little series where we're looking, we're preaching through the book of Luke, and we're going to pick it up today in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got a Bible, uh, please turn there. If not, don't worry, it's going to come up on the screen. And we're going to read the first kind of 20 to 24 verses of, uh, sorry, 21 verses of Luke 10. And, uh, and then we're going to get into it. So this is what it says. So reading from verse 1 of Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome to eat what is offered you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. Um, I don't know if you've uh, had a selection of different jobs uh, in your past. I have had a whole array of different <laughs> bits and pieces of work I've done at different times, partly because I tried to kind of make a living as a musician. And when you try to make a living as a musician, you basically don't make any money. And uh, you just do loads and loads of different <laughs> bits and pieces and some dreadful jobs, some slightly better than dreadful. Um, but one of the jobs I did for quite a long time when I was kind of school age, when I was 16, I went and worked on a farm. Uh, my parents knew someone who owned a farm. And so when I finished my kind of first main block of exams in the UK, they called them GCSEs. Uh, I went, because you have a long summer, I went and worked for three weeks, four weeks on a farm. And I actually did that every summer for about the next five or six summers I went and worked on this farm. I was, I think to begin with, of very little use. <laughs> In fact, I think I broke more things than I was at all helpful. And one of the biggest compliments I ever got was I used to work with an older guy called George. He came from the north of England. He was pretty hard, very blunt, and... Uh, 
And I remember, I think I might have told one of you years before, but when I got to about four years in, I said to George, how am I doing, George? And he said, aye, you're mending, which was a huge compliment from George that I was slightly better than I was when I first worked there. <laughs> but I, I used to work there every summer. The first three weeks of the first job I ever did was I swept a barn for three weeks. One barn, <laughs> because basically that was where they were going to store all the grain. No, it was a huge barn, Sarah. I was an amazing sweeper. So I'm extremely good at sweeping things because I've had huge amounts of practice. So we had to clean this barn out. There were mice. There was rubbish. But you're basically cleaning it all out because you're cleaning it all out because they want to get the harvest in. And when you work on a farm, certainly in the UK in, the, in that season, everything is about the harvest. And when it's go time on the harvest, you go. You work all the hours because they've got to get it in. They've got to get it in on time. They've got to get it in before it gets wet. And they go, everything is go, 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 go. It's all about the harvest. And when you work in a farm out of harvest season, it's still all about the harvest. Mm. They plough, they disc, they sow, they fertilise, all about the harvest. Everything. So whatever you're doing, you always have, if you like, an eye on the harvest. And Jesus, if you like, in this passage is opening up the issue of a harvest and is opening up the issue of what are we called to do. Now, the first nine chapters of Luke, if you were to summarize it, is partly about the kingdom coming and partly about who Jesus is. This next section from about Luke, middle of Luke 9 onwards starts to be more about who we're called to be and what we're called to do. And Vahe opened this up last week where he talked about this issue of discipleship. There's this sense in which to be a, to be a Christian is to be a follower. You have to leave and follow. Basically, Jesus keeps saying to people, leave everything, follow me, right? And obviously, many of you will know, particularly in the Western church, I don't know if it's true all around the world, but particularly in the Western church, there's been a huge watering down of what it really means to be a Christian. Like a watering down to, hey, you know, basically it's a ticket to heaven. And it's like, no, no, Jesus is like, you've got to leave everything. You have to repent. You have to turn away. You have to effectively make me lord of your life and stop being lord of your own life yeah actually jesus says you've got to die that's why baptism is so important because it is symbolically dying in the water and being raised so you have to die to your old life you have to leave it you have to stop being lord and go i'm going to make you lord i'm going to follow you and you're kind of either in or you're not is really how jesus frames it and that's why throughout the Gospels, throughout the Sermon of the Mount, all those moments, Jesus keeps going, there's only really two choices. You're either this or you're not. You're that. Are you in or you're not? And so he's saying you've got to follow and leave. But here in Luke 10, now he goes, part of following is also being sent. I'm going to send you. And actually Jesus actually starts this in the chapter before. Because if you know Luke 9, you'll know in Luke 9 he sends 12. Yeah, so he gathers 12, and this is what he says to the 12. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, so something of what we've heard today is this sense of the kingdom coming in Helen's body. It's amazing, but this is what we're reading about. He says, I sent you out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no shirt. Great. Okay. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. 
So they set out, went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And in Luke 10, one chapter later, Luke records Jesus does the same thing again, this time with 72. Now, there's a relevance to the number 12 because of the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a relevance to the number 72. And actually the manuscripts, some say 70, some say 72. There's a bit of a debate amongst scholars as to what that number is. Either number is relevant. 72 they reckon is relevant because in Genesis 10, the number of the nations counted in Genesis 10 is 72. So it appears to be that Luke is saying, look, there's a relevant, Jesus is now not just sending out 12, Israel's number, now sending out a number that represents the whole nations of the earth. So what does that say? It says that the mission is about everyone and everywhere, not just the people of Israel anymore. And you know this as you read through the New Testament. It's not just Israel. It's the Gentiles. It's the whole world. It's for everyone. And so to the 72 in Luke 10, Jesus says these words, which we've just read. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go! (laughs) It's like, go! Exclamation mark. I am sending you out, this is encouraging, like wolves, like lambs amongst wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and you are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So the words in Luke 10 are a little different from the words in Luke 9. But effectively, Jesus says the same thing to 72 that he says to 12. And we know that because they heal people. We see that demons submit to them. Jesus sends them out, although it explicitly doesn't say the same words. We can see, as you read back retrospectively, that he gives them the same, uh, the same mandate. He gives them the same authority. He says, go and speak on my behalf. If they receive you, they receive me. It's the same thing and Jesus is saying part of being a Christian part of being a follower is being a messenger is being a herald you are a Christian and as a Christian you are sent now to declare and bring freedom to those who are enslaved and held captive you are sent to bring healing to all kinds of brokenness all kinds of emotional spiritual physical brokenness And you carry the message of the kingdom. So in a sense, what you see in Luke is we're called to know Jesus and come to him, be with him, receive from him. Yeah, it's one of the things we've done this morning in one sense. We've come together in one sense. We're receiving. We want to receive from him. We're not just doing church. We want to receive from him. We want to hear his voice. But also the other side of being a Christian is we're called to go you're called to, you're sent people. We are sent people. So one of the reasons we are here in Rotterdam together, one of the reasons that we're, we're planting this church together, partly is to create a community of faith where we come together and we receive from him. We support one another. We do life together. We encourage and support and strengthen one another. We do community together. All those things are super important. You can't 
I think, effectively be a full-on Christian without being in a community of faith. I know the Western church is trying to disconnect those things, but in reality, biblically, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, you, just, you might survive, but you can't really make it. You don't grow or flourish in the way you could if you're part of a community of faith. But it's not just about that. We are in Rotterdam because God is going, oh, no, I'm sending you. You've been drawn near to me, and I'm now sending you out. Jesus says, go. It's like, go. It's like, you can imagine he's like at a starting line. It's like, go. And it's like, no, I like, I like us being together. No, go. That's what it's about. It's coming, drawing in and going out. That's who, that's who you are. That's who we are. That's why we're in the room. Now, some of us prefer one thing or the other. <laughs> okay? I, am, I lean into, let's come together. Let's receive. Let's, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm better at that, personally. Okay? But Jesus says to me, now you're called to go. You carry something of the message of the kingdom. Yeah? It's I'm often reminded in, in Acts 18, Paul is in Corinth. And he's, he's having a bit of a hard time, again. <laughs> I don't think being an apostle is not always that great. And he's having a really hard time, and he prays, and God gives him a vision. He says to him, stay in the city, because I have many people in the city. In other words, there are people that I have lined up for you, ready in this city. You are to stay in the city. Why are we here? Why are we planting a church? Why? Because I think... I think he has many people in the city. That's why we're here. Yes, we're here to build a community of faith in which they can connect to and gather and grow and get healed and released and find freedom and we can flourish and grow together. Absolutely. And those of us who maybe here in our Christian walk can maybe grow a little bit further and change, right? But it's not just that. And it can never just be that. It has to be, you've got to go. So Jesus calls them to him, and he says, now go. They do come back. He says, now go. That's why he says, doesn't he? That's why he says to the disciples, freely you have received, now freely give. Right? You're called to be a conduit, not like in, in the UK, not a cul-de-sac where all the blessing kind of just stops. It's just, it is for me, but it's not just for me. It is for us, but it's not just for us. And if you read through the Old Testament, you will just find again and again, God keeps encountering people and blessing them, but it's virtually never for them. It is for them, but it's not for them. Yeah? You think of people that God encounters, he's encountering them to heal them, change them, but in order to make them a blessing. You've been a blessing to be a blessing. You've been blessed to go and bless. Go and bless the world. So think of your workplace. God is calling you to be a blessing in your workplace. We spend so little time together and virtually all our time out in the world. Right? Because he's called you and me to go and be a blessing in the world. So it's incredibly challenging stuff. And this is what Jesus says in Luke 10 to his disciples about going. He says this The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now we read that kind of go, if you've been in church for a while, you'll be familiar with that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I wonder what we really think about that. Because Jesus goes, The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. I think mean, the truth is, often, myself included, we kind of live with the narrative, the harvest is small and the workers are very few. Right? It's, 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 the harvest is small, meagre, 
Yeah, it's been a bad year for the harvest, and the workers are very few. But Jesus goes, that's not, that's, Jesus goes, no, that's, you're not right. <laughs> uh-uh. I'm, I'm learning Dutch right now, and occasionally they tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay, is it fout? Fout. Yeah, yeah, I hear that occasionally. Fout. Okay. Fout. Ah, no. <laughs> Jesus goes, no, no, the harvest is plentiful and it's ready. I.e., it's ready to go. And when I worked on a farm, it's like, go, get out, go now, go, 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 work, go. It's ready. But I think we live in the narrative, oh, no, it's not ready. And it's very small. Now, that's not to say it's easy. Okay, and we'll get onto that in a moment because Jesus has those words where he goes, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. But he goes, no, no, it's plentiful. So rather than thinking, who is ever going to want to hear what I have to say? Or who is ever going to want to respond to my invite? Well, I would invite them, but... Or who's ever going to want to hear... Rather than thinking that or believing that, Jesus is going, I want you to believe something different. And I want you to believe, actually, I have many people in the city. Because Jesus says... The harvest is plentiful. Now we kind of go, well, does Jesus really know what he's talking about? I don't think he's ever really been to my office. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not sure he's ever... Really? Did he ever... I mean, does he... Yeah, okay, nice. It reads well, okay. But does he really know? And Jesus goes, well, let me tell you who I am. He goes, I'm the Lord of the harvest. That's my name. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, if you introduce yourself to hey, what's your name? Well, I'm the Lord of the harvest. They go, okay. He's in charge. What are you in charge of? I'm in charge of the whole harvest. What does that mean? I think it means he's in charge of the whole harvest. So we can choose to disagree, but really what we're doing is we're deciding, Jesus, I'm not sure you really know what you're saying. And I'm going to believe something different. And the narrative I'm going to believe is you don't really know. You don't really know. And he goes, no, I really do know. Because I'm the Lord of the harvest. I really do know, and I want you to believe something different. That's why I'm sending you. I'm not sending you because there's nothing out there. (laughs) I'm sending you because I've got people lined up for you in the city that you need to meet, and you need to share your story with. Now, he says, I'm the Lord of the harvest, and I'm sending workers. What does that mean? It means, basically, it's not all dependent on you or me. It's not how clever we are, how articulate we are. It's not about whether we get all our words right. It's, it's really not. It's about being available. It's about being active and going and being available and then going, you're the Lord of the harvest. Okay? I've got to be available. He's the one who has to save people, not me. I don't convict people of their sins. I don't speak to their heart. I, I just, I'm just, he goes, no, you're a worker. You need to get out in the field. Go. But I'm the Lord of the harvest. It's very challenging stuff. 1 Peter 3 says this. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. <laughs> in your hearts. So he's the Lord. So, and then it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So we don't have to be in people's faces, okay? In fact, I would say that is generally extremely unhelpful to be aggressive about it. It's about being winsome and kind, but it's also about being open and ready and real. So he says the harvest 
is plentiful. But he doesn't mean that's, that it's easy. So he goes, he says this, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, if I was doing a team talk with a bunch of people that I was about to send out, I probably wouldn't begin with that phrase. I'm not going, by the way, you are like pathetic animals <laughs> who cannot defend themselves in any way. You're, you're like the least, most, the least intelligent animals in the world that people like to eat. That's who you are. And I'm going to put you out amongst some absolutely vicious predators who like to hunt in gangs. That's the picture he uses. It's not very encouraging. Okay. Why is he saying that? Well, he's saying because we live in a world that does not like this message. Okay. Doesn't like the message of the gospel. At times it will be unpopular. At times you will be unpopular. I will be unpopular at times. Because we live in a context, particularly in the West, again, and I know not everybody of us has grown up in the West, but I would say in the secular West, we live in this kind of weird context where we have this thing where we go, it's okay for you to believe that. You can, but that's true for you, but it, don't, don't impose that on anybody else. It's not true for anybody else. It's true for you. So we have this kind of subjective view of truth, which is pretty weird when you think about it, because we don't think about that when it comes to maths. We don't go, well, 2 plus 2 is 4 for me, but for you, you can believe 2 plus 2 is 5. That's fine. That's true. It's not true. 2 plus 2 is 4, right? I think everybody. But we kind of have this weird thing where we go, but no, when it comes to faith, no, 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 all truth. So, but we've gr- we're in this culture which says, no, 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 it's tr- you, you cannot believe in anything that's absolute or universal. And so it's fine for you to believe that, but please don't tell people, please don't impose that, please don't say other people should believe that which cuts right against the heart of the gospel because the gospel, Jesus says, is good news for everybody, right? Good news for everybody. It's like, it's restoration, it's healing for the sick and the broken, it's freedom for people who are enslaved, it's hope for people who feel hopeless, it's a coming home for people who felt destitute and deprived and marginalized. It's good news for everyone. That's why when Jesus is born, they, the way they announce it is they're going to put angels in the sky, not just one, but an entire choir of them who decide we're going to just sing about it. It's such good news. So we're going to announce this incredible news for the whole world, but you can't show it to anybody, right? It just cuts right against the heart of what the gospel is because the gospel is good news for everyone. I had one preacher say, it's like discovering the cure for cancer, but deciding that you're not going to tell anyone about it. I'm just going to keep it to myself because, you know, it's true for us, but we're not going to... Now, that doesn't mean, again, that we are to be kind of harsh or in people's faces or aggressive, but it means we're to be real about hope and faith. But here's the thing, I would say. So that's why one of the reasons, one of the reasons, not the only reason, why it's hard, why it feels like we are amongst, at times, wolves and a society that is aggressive towards the gospel. But it also means if we are to share it, we have to really believe it's true. Right? We have to believe it's good news. In other words, we have to have experienced that good news and to be going on experiencing that good news in our own hearts. Right? Because if we're not experiencing something of the restoration and the healing of Jesus' kingdom in our own hearts, we're going to really struggle to share it in a world which is seemingly aggressive towards the gospel. But if you are experiencing it, okay, if you're carrying it, it's going to come out. In other words, primarily we need to carry, we need to be the message 
as much as be the messengers. It needs to come out of who we are. Evangelism is something we do, but fundamentally it's people we are. We're we're called to be missional people because we're carrying something of the hope of Jesus in our hearts because we've experienced it. So you can present it because you can go, it's very real, I've experienced this. It's true for me. I don't want to live my life trying to be Lord of my own life. Sad news, I don't know if you saw the news this morning, and obviously I've never met this, but you know, if you ever watched the, the kind of comedy Friends, Matthew Perry, they found, died overnight. I mean, it's just a tragic story. And again, it's a story of someone who had everything and yet was desperately addicted and sad. I mean, it's just tragic, but you know it's, it stands for an entire generation of people who have more than we've ever had in history and yet often are struggling more than we've ever had in, like, more than ever in history. Because those things are never delivered to give our souls what we most need. So we need to keep responding to Jesus and keep receiving from him. Now, I want you to notice this. Jesus also says to the 12 and to the 72, don't take these things with you. <laughs> you know, don't take money, don't take stuff, don't take clothes. I'm like, okay, enough of the don't take stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, Jesus is saying travel light. He says it to the 12. And then he says it to the 72, and I'm like, what is that about? Like, why do we have to, why take no money? Why take, why, what is that? Because I don't think Jesus is saying, this is how you do life as a Christian in Rotterdam. He's not saying, hand in your wallets. <laughs> okay, you're only allowed to have one set of clothes, no money, no food, out you go. Okay, I don't think he's saying live by faith in that sense. I'm not saying I know of people that occasionally God have said, give all your money away. I know that, you know, I've heard of those stories, right? So I'm not saying God doesn't speak occasionally to people in that way. But I don't think he's saying, this is how you are always to live. I think what he's saying is, for you to be my messengers, you need to live a life where you trust me for what you need. where you purposefully arrange your life in such a way that you do not become dependent on other things to give you what you most need. In other words, don't start with me as Lord, but end up with something else as Lord. So don't take extra food, don't take extra clothes, don't take extra shoes, all that stuff. I think is primarily about don't shape your life in such a way that actually those things become Lord of your life. You start to, we start to look for money, at money, like we said before, it's not wrong having money, it's not wrong having a great career, it's not one earning good money. But what's wrong is when we put it in first place and what we're saying to it is actually your, if I have enough of you, I'm going to be all right. And then, you know, the faith thing can operate alongside that. Jesus goes, no, no, you can't have two lords of your life. So don't make the money thing, don't make the possession thing, don't make any of these things which are not wrong in themselves, but don't put them in first place. So position your life in such a way that you do not allow them to have first place in your life. Go light, travel light, in other words, right? And we live in a culture which says, don't travel light. Yeah, 
get everything you can because then you'll be happy and then you'll be secure. And Jesus is going, no, 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 it's totally the other way around. Don't get everything you can. Don't make, if I give you everything, then fine, but don't make that the thing. Travel light. Something about traveling light means that we're, it's like position your life in such a way that is an ongoing adventure of trust and faith. Right? That's one of the reasons why, you know, it is good to give your money away. I'm not saying that because the church needs your money, right? Although I do think if you're part of the community of faith, it's good to give to the community of faith. Okay, I do believe that as well. But one of the reasons why it's really good to give money away is because every time we're doing it, it's like we're doing surgery on our hearts because we're saying, I don't need that. I am detoxing from my need of more money. And I am actively trusting you that if I give this away, you will, be, you will look after me. I, would, I wouldn't teach everyone to give all your money away. I don't think that's what the Bible says. I think the Bible teaches in the Old Testament a tenth, and the New Testament seems to be often beyond a tenth. But really, it's up to you and your conscience. But part of giving is saying, your Lord, and I, exp- I'm, I am going to allow you, I am going to adventure with you. I am going to trust you that you are who you say you are. That's why giving is so important. You know, when we pray, one of the biggest challenges about praying is, can I really give up this time? Have I really got 10 minutes? Have I really got half? Have I really got that? I mean, I feel that tension all the time. But part of praying is going, I'm trusting you that this 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, you will absolutely look after that 15, 20 minutes that I could have been spent doing something else. I'm trusting. It's like an act of trust every time. Travel light. And he connects being sent people to traveling light. We're going to struggle to travel if we're going to try and take all our stuff with us. Because he's not really Lord of our lives if we're trying to accumulate. And if he's not really Lord of our lives, what have I got to share? <laughs> because we can only share what we've actually got. So one of the, many of you will know this, but you know, so Sarah and I moved here with our kids a few years ago, you know, a couple of years ago. Big step of faith for us in many ways, Right. But really, I mean, and still ongoingly, a step of faith at times. But I think really what God is calling us to is to, being, to live a life of faith. Not just make big steps. But each day, each week is to live lives where we go, I am going to actively trust you. So it's not to be a moment or one-off event. It's to become a lifestyle. And so Jesus says, travel light. I mean, I love it, but I don't like it at the same time. It's hugely challenging, right? Oh, no, 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 I need to, I need. Why do I need? Because I'm basically saying that's the thing that gives me what I, no, Jesus goes, travel light. You gotta, if you're gonna do this, the harvest is plentiful, but if you're gonna get out there, you need to trust me in it. Okay, here's the final thing. And there's <laughs> so much in this chapter and some things, if I'm honest, I don't even understand in this chapter. But it's interesting when the disciples return. Because they say this, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So he's like, yeah, I, I, I see the, something, of the, something of damage to evil in the world when you were there. 
But then he says this, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, in one sense, that feels like a weird statement because Jesus has sent them out to do these things and they come back and go, we've done them, it's great. And he goes, no, well, yeah, it is great, but... But you sent us out, right? Like, to, you, what, what is he saying? He's, I don't think Jesus is saying that you shouldn't be glad when people get free, when, peop- when there's people who are broken find healing, when people who are far away from God come home to him. I think you should be glad, absolutely. In fact, you know, Jesus talks about angels rejoicing when just one person gets saved, right? So I don't think the Bible is teaching, or Jesus is teaching here, don't celebrate. Don't celebrate if someone gets healed. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying, I think, is don't make ministry an idol either. Travel light, so don't make money, don't make things, don't make profile, any of those things, the main thing in your life. Keep me the Lord. I'm the Lord of the harvest. Keep me as Lord of your life. And don't even make ministry an idol. We, I have to see breakthrough. I mean, it's a particular challenge for people who do what I do or Sarah does or other people who do this stuff because ministry easily becomes the idol. I've got to have breakthrough. We've got to see numbers. We've got to see. And it's like, no, no. It's great when that happens, but don't make that Lord. And you see it in their response, right? Because what they say is, even the demons submit to us in your name. (laughs) So they don't actually talk about the people got free. People got free. Right? What they say is, there was power and the demons submitted to us. In other words, it became about power and became about them. Right? And Jesus is going, that is not what this is about. It's not about power and it's not about you. It is about people and it's about him. And it's so easy. <laughs> so easy. It's so easy for someone like me. It's so easy for us to get slipped into because we look to ministry or, or breakthrough as a way again of somehow meeting the deficient needs in our own hearts. If I just have a few more, I'll be, I'll be somebody. Yeah? In church circles, church leaders, it's about how big is your church? Okay? I've, you know, I've been around long enough to know that's the story, that's the question that comes, how, big is your, how many people do you have? Oh. And it's like, we're not playing that game. We're not playing that game. It's, not a, it's great when there's lots of people, but it's not the thing. It's not about prestige, it's not about platform, it's not about profile, it's not about being known. Jesus goes, it's about people getting free, and it's about his kingdom breaking in. And Jesus goes, that's the thing. It's incredibly challenging, but very releasing at the same time. Jesus is about people. He's about healing, serving, reaching people. He's not about position and power and profile and platform and prestige. So we're going to try and do our best together to be a community that loves people, loves Jesus, wants to feel freedom and healing and restoration. And it's not about a platform. It's not about a name. It's not about prestige. It's not about profile. It's about serving a city and seeing people get free because Jesus says, 
the harvest is plentiful, now go. So I'd love us just to have a moment to respond. So if you'd be happy to, can you... Um, yes, would you like to share something? Yes, is it okay if I give a little testimony about this sending out to the harvest? Yeah, please do. Um, 